This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code MENTORS4MIL the number four, M-I-L, at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. Hey guys, just a quick message to say thanks to each and every one of you for listening. I really wasn't sure about five years ago how big this podcast would end up becoming. But man, I'm blown away each and every week by seeing the numbers and all the comments and direct messages that you guys send us either through email or through direct message. I share most of them with our co-host each and every week. So please continue to do that. I'd also like to say a big thanks to everybody who's a donor of the show. If you enjoy what we're doing, providing great quality content and great guests, please be sure to become a donor. Your contributions will really help us. You can do that at our Patreon site. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash mentors the number four M-I-L. Also, each week I've been telling you guys about our veteran-owned U.S. directory. We created this directory because we wanted to have one central location where we could find veteran businesses that we could help support their products and services. So be sure to go out and support a veteran business at veteranownedus.com. Thanks again, guys. Now it's time for another episode of Mentors for Military. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. So welcome back again, JC. JC, for anybody who wants to go back, rewind back to episode 228, because that'll be the uh, way you can learn more about JC's background and what he's currently doing today and all that good stuff. So rewind, go back to episode 228, listen to that one first, then come forward, listen to this one here. So I don't know what this number is going to be. We'll put that out later on. But um, JC and I were kind of you know, texting back and forth about, of course, him coming back on the show when we were working out a date. And then I pinged him because I totally forgot what it was that we were going to talk about. And then he mentioned some great topics. Of course, I know he's written several books on leadership, and I knew that was one of the things that we wanted to hit on is something around that. And so um, this whole pandemic really leads itself into a perfect opportunity to talk about leadership and making major decisions, because I think so many people have second guessed or have challenged the decisions that are being made by whether it's a mayor, a governor, um, you know, uh, the president, physicians, whatever the case may be. I think everybody is getting soundbite information from whatever source that they typically have within their bubble. And that's what they're kind of basing it on. I mean, what is it? Did I set that up correctly, JC? Is that kind of what we see going I, on? I think that's, I think that's perfect. And it's compounded with the fact that, um, you know, I, I was talking to my fiance about this the other day. You don't know who to believe, right? So, so you can almost guarantee that you're going to believe whatever politician you affiliate with and you won't believe the other side. Uh, you're going to, 
uh, agree or disagree with the media based on who you think it, you know shares your kind of perspective. And then experts, real solid foundational scientific experts can disagree and, and, Boy, have, don't and they? have stark disagreements. Yeah, and they do all the time, right? Yeah. And, and yes. I'm, this is not something new, but I think that in this type of situation, to your point, when somebody wants to use an argument, it's easy for them to point to the physician that's going to go with what they want. And they do this in even medications, you know, whether it be opioid use or um, use of marijuana or use of anything. People have a way of, you know, gravitating towards what's going to then help them build their case. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's funny. I, um, when, when I ran the fitness school, we had a, a doctor who came in and talked and said that, uh, anything that was related to CrossFit was negative because it raised the creatine values. And, and so they were convinced CrossFit was absolutely the worst thing you could possibly do. And I'm like, well, there are doctors that say the opposite. And, you know, you just kind of go, okay, well, it depends what experts you want to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny that what you mentioned about CrossFit, because to me, CrossFit is one of those things. I take my own opinion. I see all these people getting hurt. So then I look at it and go, holy crap, man, that's like <laughs> a, I mean, and what you guys do in the gym, I've never been one to do CrossFit, but I've watched guys do that. And it's like, holy cow, that's some brutal shit right there. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'll tell you, I, uh, I like CrossFit. I, I, I'm not crazy about CrossFitters. <laughs> there, is, there is a whole thing right we actually talked about this a long time ago scott i think on one of our past episodes where we talked about the whole crossfit tribe the whole you know i don't know what you call it the movement or whatever that's there and the mindset of a lot of crossfitters so different different episode we'll have to take yeah. talk about. so <laughs> so going back to it though um i mean in your case scott you guys over there in the uk you had First off, you know, a lot different um, being, you know, placed into your homes, being told to be there. Whereas in the States here, we have, you know, some do, some don't. There's, a, you know, even it varies by county uh, or by city and different rules and stuff. And I mean, like out in California, if you're in San Diego, I think they're now implementing that if you're going to go out and about, you have to wear a mask and everybody has to wear one or you're going to get fined. So I'm curious to know from the UK's perspective, how you guys are viewing the whole pandemic and the whole leadership's reaction to it? I think it's it's, it's a difficult one for anybody, isn't it? Because the, the, the virus is so new, everybody is literally figuring anything out on on the hoof, you know. And there's a, there's a lot of armchair experts out there. Uh, and going back to what JC just was talking about, people's opinions differ. And because there's no data-driven evidence currently, everybody's opinion they think is right. And it's difficult to get anywhere in terms of progressing forward in, in a debate or a discussion because if you've got two opposing views and there's no clear data to, to prove someone right or wrong, then literally it just turns into an argument. And, you know, <clears throat> we, we from over here we see you guys – um, on the TV in your briefings, the same as I don't know whether you see ours, and we have a daily briefing through the government, uh, the same as you guys do. And the way the press are handling it is, I think personally, 
atrocious. And uh, same here. So so negative, you know, and everybody's looking for that gotcha mm-hmm. um, headline. And it isn't about the evidence. It isn't about what's best for the nation. Uh, it's about what can we print in the press. And it's it's so disruptive to advancing forward as a country. Um, you know, in my opinion, it, it shouldn't be allowed. It, it, and your president did something good the other day from, from what we saw where he just, he said, we're not going to have any press coming in. Yeah. You know, well, if, that might have more to do with the fact that he told everybody to shoot up with disinfectant, but that's, yeah. I was, I was avoiding that one. <laughs> so, like some people were like, I don't know if you saw the memes on that, but some people are like, wait, 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 let's just see how this plays out. Let's just wait. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, as a, as an outsider looking in. We was like, seriously, is he, is he saying that? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, though. But I mean, the fact that your prime minister, you know, actually came down with the coronavirus, I think caused a lot of people over there, in and it became more, I think, personal, and you know, brought it home a little bit more. What I hear here, at least from, you know, I have run into individuals that say. Um, listen, you know, the, the odds are relatively small that you're going to get it when looking at the full general population. What they may not take in consideration is that those numbers, like any set of data, is not measuring real time. So you're not measuring an individual in the full spec, you know, full sphere of the the lifeline of that. Um, OK, I'm, I'm going to track JC. You know, he's now turned positive. Um, and now I'm going to track and see how long and then I'm going to see, you know, whether he is it's fatal for him or, you know, he is able to recover, um, you know, and then do that for each individual. What they do is they look at the total number. It seems tends to be only those that tested. And then they look at those that are deaths. And when they compare that to the total population, it seems relatively small. So their argument then is. Well, if this is not that big of a deal, and not to mention, it seems like most people have a pre-existing condition. I don't have any of that. My odds of getting it are relatively slim. So then they start pointing to just poor leadership and causing fear and an overreaction. And of course, the media feeding into that. Yeah, I'd I'd be curious what it what it's like in the UK about that. I mean, because because I certainly have some perspective on on the fear piece that I'd want to talk about. But what Scott, what do you what are your thoughts on that? It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? It, it, it again, it's this data driven managed by fact, you know. And for for me, the the leadership piece in this is, I you've got to take your hat off, in my opinion, to to any any country's leadership who are standing up there in front of the TV on a daily briefing, because it's the most difficult form of leadership. There's no intel. There's, there's no direction. There's no, you know, uh, area of operations. It's literally making it up as you go along. And to, to hold a country together, you know, that, that's the highest form of leadership ultimately is you're running an entire country, you know, and we're something like 66 million. I think you guys are 250 million, something like that. Um, you know, it, that's a lot of coordination to be done. So without having the, the data sets coming behind it and the government are tied, aren't they? Because they, my opinion, they don't really want the full information. Hence why there's limited testing. If you're symptomatic and you require going in the UK, if you're symptomatic and you have to be admitted to hospital, then you'll be tested. 
up until that point, there's no tests going on. So they've just started introducing tests now for key worker type roles. Again, if you're symptomatic um, and getting more data coming in that way. But you don't really want the full-blown facts. So I, I, I was ill before I came out to America uh, back in February. Uh, and we did the the live recordings, and I was you, uh, you I was, brought it all here, didn't you? I brought it. it, it <laughs> don't tell Trump. <laughs> so you know, but there was the doctor and I had a discussion, and at that time, it was literally, "Have you been to China? If not, you're not even a consideration." Um, but everything I had was symptomatic of what people are going through now. Um, but nobody wants to test those people unless they're really ill, that they need to go into hospital. So that leadership piece, again, you you want more information so you can make more informed decision in terms of where we're going to go as a country, but also you've got to hold that back a little bit with, actually, we don't want the truth out there of the number of people that have contracted the, the disease. And it, it's a difficult one uh, to, to tie in, I guess, JC, in, in terms of the, the leadership piece side. Yeah, so... You know, I am a big believer, uh, and I've, I've, I've said recently in the last five years, I don't think we can look at politicians as leaders. I, I just, I, I think they're, they're elected officials who are quite honestly public servants who are supposed to do bureaucratic business. They're supposed to do the business of, of, uh, of running the country. I think that, and, that that's not a knock, JC. That's a, that's, that's just a really that's, that's, good way of yeah. looking at it. It's a, actually a very, probably more factual perspective. Well, and the problem is, is we expect leadership from these folks and we, and we want leadership, you know, kind of when we want it. So like right now we want leadership. Um, and what leaders do that can't be done in this environment, right? So in combat, we make a whole bunch of decisions without all the facts with the best data that we have. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. And certain things happen and, and we're, we're kind of, you know, sometimes we're lucky and sometimes we're not lucky. But the main job that I always think a leader has, a true leader, is you have to eliminate or you have to create courage in your people. You have to overcome fear. That's, that's what leaders do. That's what we did in combat. That's what we did in peacetime. A true leader, if, 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 what, what leaders tend to focus on is an action, right? I have to do X. So I have to get people to do X. Well, that's that's really not the right focus because if I look at what stops people from doing anything, it's fear. It's always fear. If you think of anything that you haven't done, you didn't do it for one reason, and it was fear. So what leaders have to focus on, instead of worrying about the action being accomplished, they have to let people know this is the action that needs to be accomplished, and then their focus needs to be on how do I create courage? Because a good leader doesn't destroy anything, right? So I can't destroy fear. I have to create something greater than, so I have to create courage. And in an environment like we currently have, I don't know that we have, um, regardless of who the president was, I don't think we have a system um, that allows leaders to create that courage. Because I think you're you're spot on about, you know, you have media that, you know, I read an article in uh, the Washington Post yesterday that was about this completely healthy 49-year-old guy who almost died with, with few underlying conditions. And it never really talked about what those underlying conditions are. Um, and it was terrifying. 
right? Because here's a pretty healthy guy and on death's door and he makes it and then he gets released from the hospital. And then you read another article about, hey, there's some stuff going on with uh, neurologically, you know, through, you know, and creating clots, blood clots and strokes and otherwise healthy people. And but you have all this fear that's building up in people and what it's created, at least in, in our country. And I think this this might be true for the world, but something that might be unique in how we look at it. We want. A sa- uh, 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 we want safety over liberty. We want to be safe. We want everybody to be safe. And we, instead of worrying about personal responsibility, we've put it on everybody else, right? If you go out, well, that's irresponsible. You're making, you could make somebody else sick. And we haven't really looked at it in a, in a positive way of, okay, here's, you know, how do we create courage in this situation? Hey, here's what we know. Here's what we don't know, and here's what we think. I mean, think about it. Every brief we did in the military, that's kind of what it was. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we talked about the enemy, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, here's what we think. And most people can go, okay, got it. And then they can start to feel like a little sense of control or a little sense of, all right, I can have courage in, in that they're at least being honest. We're terrified to say we don't know something. Right. Which, right. Holy cow, I think it's okay. Yeah. The most probable course of action and most dangerous yeah, course of action. Exactly. And then you go from there and you do your risk assessment, risk management, and you put it together and, and you make your decisions off of that. Yep. What can you do to reduce the risk? And, you know, at what level do we accept risk? Yeah. How do you rally the troops and how do you get individuals to kind of to find their true north again to get back on track? Because I think the challenge going forward is how do we then get back to whatever a sense of normal is in the new world? Well, Rob, I think one of those things is, you know, not making one decision or two decisions that sets everything. I think there's a situation or a decision that makes that sets conditions for, you know, we're going to get from here to here. This this is where we want to go. But how do we get there? Well, it's not a one-step process that gets you to there. I think you have to, you know, set conditions and do things. And when we're here, now this is our next phase to go to this point. So if you identify what 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 is the new norm, you know, we've been quarantined. We've talked about that quite a bit here just in the house. You know, there's going to be some things that have taken from this that are going to be the new, the new normal. Um, you know, back to what JC was saying earlier, you know, the, you know, the lifestyle well, I don't know how it is up there and you guys' area where you're living, but I've noticed more people out here riding bikes and walking. And, and I, you know, maybe that's their, hey, I started something. I've thought about doing it. And now that I've been quarantined and I've done it, maybe this becomes their, how they change. You know, older people are the ones that are susceptible through medical conditions. They probably will be wearing the masks even when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that's okay. You know, it doesn't mean everybody has to do that. But I think we're more conscious of, you know, touching that the gas pump. We're more conscious of where we are in, you know, out in public. Yeah, I, I totally agree, right? I think I, I, uh, I wonder, you know, now looking at, at things like hand sanitizer and hand soap, 
I wonder how many people were actually washing their hands right. uh, you know, afterwards because <laughs> for whatever reason, and I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to be some brands because some brands are still on the shelves. Anything that says all natural, <laughs> still on the shelf, um, which, which goes to show that we're green only unless we're really, really worried, in which case we're not very green. Um, look, I think, I think that what we need right now, and, and, and I talk a lot about, um, you know, creating courage and inspirational leadership, right? Uh, the difference between motivational leadership and inspirational leadership is I can motivate in a negative way, right? Do this and you'll die, right? That's motivation. And I think we got a lot of that right now on, on, on one side of the fence. Inspiration can never be done in a, a negative way. And inspiration is only positive. And I think to be an inspirational leader, you got to create two things to get to this idea of courage. You got to create hope and you got to create trust, right? And if you create hope and trust in a, in, in kind of the constant of fear, that hope and trust will, will, will create courage because you can't have courage if there isn't any fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no courage, right? So, so if we take a look at, at hope, you know, hey, folks, what I'm asking you to do is worth doing, and it's a good thing, okay? And here's why it's a good thing, right? I got to convince you that what I'm asking you to do is worth doing, and it helps. And I think we we probably were able to message that really well in the beginning. And the trust, which is I'm going to be with you throughout the, throughout the process, and I'm also going to, you know, we're going to we're going to resource you effectively, whether it's ventilators or whether it's test kits or whatever. The, the problem comes in, and, and I mean, I, I don't like to beat up the media because it's almost too easy. But if you have a leader who's saying, look, this is what I need you to be good at. This is what I need. You know, this is, this is why we need you to do it. And here's what I'm going to do. Well, when you have a media that's trying to undermine every single thing that somebody does. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I, I think both side, both sides of the media do it to each, to the opposite side. I think it's really hard to get to that inspiration, right? But if we look at the great inspirational leaders, the John F. Kennedy's and Martin Luther King's, that's what they did, right? They created hope. What I'm asking you to do is worth doing. It's a good thing. And trust, hey, I, I'm going to resource you effectively. And... I think we have leaders who are attempting to do that, and then we have this other side. And the one thing that I, I feel very fortunate for, uh, maybe two things. One is I never felt like I had a whole uh, section of society that was rooting against me um, and trying to make me look bad as a leader. I, I never felt that. Uh, maybe one time in Tradoc. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> go back to two twenty. Go, go back to episode two twenty eight. Yeah, okay, never mind. I, I'll change that. Uh, who is who is highlighting all the mistakes I made? But I never, and I know that this is true. I never had anyone who I was trying to lead rooting against me, like truly saying, "Boy, I hope, I they hope, that, I hope Glick's wrong, and we're walking into an ambush." Yeah. That does and, seem to happen a lot lately. And I think that's the problem is yeah. as a country, look, you know, whether people like Trump or they don't like Trump. And I, I think there's probably plenty of reasons for both. Um, why would you want him to fail? Well, I think one of the things taking even taking the media out of that, I think it's almost some of the some of the political leaders are are 
almost scared to be thought of being on the other side you know, on the wrong side leaning across the leaning yeah. across the aisle to like you know what i think this guy's onto something or i think this this woman's onto something let's let's go with this and see where it takes i think they're they their fear of the political suicide to know that oh my gosh i went across the aisle with someone I mean, it's it's so divided. But see, then that's where it goes back to, and I'll point back to episode 228, where uh, JC, you and I, when we were talking about Tradoc, actually talked about this very subject, that sometimes as a leader, it's okay to stand up for what you believe in and to go against the grain, right? And I know you're not saying that, Dom, but that's... Yeah, you know, I agree with that 100%. You know, but that's the difference between a politician. Yeah, that's the difference between a politician and a leader, though. Because yeah, right. they're going I mean, like would, JC said, they're not leaders. They're, they're not. They're, they're yeah. you know elected officials, yeah. and we call them leaders. Yeah, I don't think I ever would have been voted in at, to any of my company <laughs> commands or battalion. I wouldn't have been voted in. There's no way. Yeah, right. yeah. I, well, you know, I think what's really good for our country. Sure, it's created a new norm. You know, you've got to have strong leaders that's going to take us out of this. Whether you're in a company that's going to have people that are going to feel, you know, fear of coming back to the office and what protections are now in place to to make sure that I, you know, I don't get infected with, you know, the next coronavirus, you know, phase two, phase three, whatever it is in, um, you know, or something new or something like that. But I think, too, it's caused organizations to rethink things that maybe they have argued in the past, like work from home is not an option. Well, maybe it is now, Um, you know, looking at new ways to do business that are still within our core competencies that we may have never considered, like taking alcohol that would have been used to make liquor, you know, such as whiskey or whatever the case and make hand sanitizer, you know, um, you know, things like that, that's where true leaders come forward and start thinking of new options and new ways to drive revenue and get their people behind the products and things that they do and their shareholders behind it as well is because they're willing now to look at uh, new opportunities that are avail- available to them that would have never been there before because if they'd have presented those things to the board, they probably would have been shot down. And I'll give you a case in point. Working for a company at one time frame, I was building a bioprocess manufacturing facility of which we were using return osmosis water as part of the process. Never touched the chemicals or the product in any way. It was clearly, I mean, it was just simply used within the pipeline to help cool the pipes and everything, right? Well, that started going down the drain. And I remember walking in the utility room when we started running the machines and I saw thousands of gallons going down through that. And I got my first bill from the city for sewage and when i looked at that bill and they were concerned about what we were putting in the sewage and i explained to them that water that's going in is more pure than any other water that's going in your sewage i can guarantee you that and when i went to the the cfo and ceo i said hey this is a prime opportunity mark mark you know this is this is a time period where dasani was brand new it was the first one breaking out there as one of the water bottle opportunities and i said guys if we could just bottle this water and turn it into a product in some ways we could have another revenue stream they ran me out of the office thought i was crazy right but we would throw away money, thousands upon thousands of dollars for sewage that was going out, pure water that was going into the system, you know. And so this is an opportunity where now people might go, hey, you know, I may have otherwise thought that was a crazy idea, JC. But in these times, let's look yeah. at it. You know, let's really look at what you having to say, you know, and what you're bringing to the table here. So true leaders are going to also uh, or bad leaders maybe are going to get more exposed. 
because you know they're not going to be the ones to lead us through this this change. They're not going to be the ones that are going to be thinking outside of the box or willing to change their old ways. Well, uh, I'll tell you, and I'd really love to hear what everybody thinks of this. Um, I'm really proud of merging vets and players because um, so we have a program. It's very clear. It's an in-person program. It gyms. starts off with a yeah in uh, gyms. Yeah. Right. And oh, by the way, doing jujitsu or striking, there's sweating, there's lots of contact. I am so proud of our organization because within 72 hours of being quarantined, we remodeled our program to do it virtually and have been doing it virtually for, you know, going on two months now and actually have grown our, our membership Wow! because we're doing it on zoom. We're still doing the workout. Right. We got these guys coming in. I mean, we have Hoist Gracie did a workout. Randy Couture did a workout. You know, we've got we've got our, our great trainers who are doing these great striking workouts, great jujitsu workouts. And then we're having this huddle that is just as meaningful. You know, after four visits, they earn their jersey here, the, this T shirt and Which is amazing. And and oh by the way, we we acknowledge it on on camera and we FedEx it to them. You know, and they get it two days later. And I mean, so so what I did see, though, and, and we have an amazing uh, executive director who's kind of my my counterpart. You know, I, I run program and he runs the fundraising and he's been in not for profits forever. And he's like, nobody is doing like there's 501c3s that are going to be gone after this. Yes. Some have uh, already closed doors. They're not there. It's not a matter of, you know of uh after this there are some that have already said and and i saw their their last 990s and some of the ones that i've seen here even uh, locally within atlanta that were making you know millions of dollars that have already announced effective this date we're shutting our doors you know like may 15th you know and it's sad uh because they didn't adjust their mission wasn't in a in a way like we were talking about jc where you can adapt like you guys did Yeah, and we got we ended up getting more grants and more funds from really good organizations that said, "Hey, you're doing COVID stuff, go." And we're actually looking at branching out to the UK and Australia now because we can do we've we've got a proof of concept. We can do this virtually. Is it as impactful? I don't know. I think it is. But but you know, smart folks will disagree, can disagree, but it's something that wasn't there before and now it is there. I don't know. I'd like to hear kind of everybody's thoughts on like being able to pivot. I, I think I love that. Go ahead. I, I can say more, but I mean, I, I love that. Uh, I think that's a sign of a true leader. And I think that if nothing else in the future, you're going to have the ability to go either direction. Hey, listen, you don't want to go to a gym and you don't want, okay, well here, here's an option as opposed to this is what we do. And it's a, it's a very strict regimen. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say exactly the same thing. I think that's a great example, JC, of of good leadership and being able to adapt to a circumstance. Now, it it, it works in business, it works in life, it works in combat, it, it works in all any different scenario. And there's some very good and very open examples in the press these days, you know. And for me, crisis is an amplifier. And it'll amplify the good or the bad in people. And we've got big companies in the UK, huge companies, who the leadership has just literally folded because they don't know what to do. 
and just said, right, we're going to furlough everybody. We, we need money. The government, you've got to bail us out. And they, their name is absolute mud. And whether they'll survive this, whether they'll survive as a brand afterwards is another question because they're doing themselves such a negative um, marketing piece effectively. But then there's the other companies that have, uh, and the word is pivot, isn't it, in, in the, the current crisis, that they've changed tact and gone on a different course. And, you know, the example of um, liquor distilleries changing to making hand sanitizer and giving that away. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had loads of big companies in the UK doing that, not not even charging for it, just donating it out because the front line, the National Health Service, didn't have enough. The press that they are bringing themselves in terms of the positive marketing. Lots of goodwill, is, is, yeah. Oh, phenomenal. And that, you know, it, it's the sign of a good leader, being able to adapt and take a positive move forward for your business with what you adapt to, where others fall over quite quickly and, and just negative results coming from because they don't know what to do and just crumble underneath the pressure. I hope that I get more than four inches of leg room in the airlines now after this. Go ahead, Don. No, I, I, you guys are spot on and that's it. Even before this pandemic, I mean, that's businesses are either, you're either adapting and growing or you're dying. You're, you've, you're, you've got to be thinking what's, you know, what's the next, what, how, how do we expand? How do we grow? Where do we go from here? And we're going to, you're going to see things. I mean, just locally with some of the restaurants, you know, that you had thought that were going under and now the way this, you know, curbside and they've adapted and, you know, Kemp said, Hey, you can open up restaurants and some of them aren't doing it because they're, they're surviving with what they're doing now. If there's not a rush to failure, so to speak, they can watch and observe how, some of these other ones go and you know are we leveled out or are we you know what's the curve what's the flat line and and but they're adapted to that and they're be, they're being successful i'm actually hoping in the future that my neighborhood continues and restaurants locally continue providing services to the neighborhood like they are today i mean like fridays and saturdays typically there's a food truck or there's some kind of um, food delivery or something like that that's prepared and then you can set up a time and you can go and pick it up it's on a separate table or whatever you know so they they tried to do it in a way in which you feel comfortable and going and doing it and there's spacing between you know people coming in their cars to pick the, the food up but just the mere fact of this you know being in a location and this causing businesses to, to rethink their model and go outside the box and create a food truck that maybe they had that wasn't really doing that well only for weddings or certain events and stuff and now they have an opportunity here to continue doing this in neighborhoods going forward that people will actually go instead of going to a restaurant may go get it go back to their pool go back to their house their backyard and and might start doing this a lot more because jc i think it also just points maybe to the um, you know, I think it was uh, Don that was mentioned earlier about getting out and bike riding and walking and all of that. Maybe what we're going to do is see a pivot within people's lifestyles that, hey, I didn't get out as often, but I've realized now I've got to work on my, you know, hypertension uh, and I need to start walking and, and doing more exercising or, hey, I need to spend more time with my kids and with my family and those types of things. So maybe this will be a positive aspect all the way around. But I also believe, like I said very early on, like Scott said, I think we're going to see the pretenders from the real leaders here through this whole situation. 
Well, I, I actually wrote down what he says. Crisis amplifies leadership, both good and bad. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna give you credit three times. <laughs> then it's mine. Um, but uh, that's, that, Tony Blower always says I'm gonna credit you three times, and after three times, it's mine. <laughs> um, but but I'll tell you, uh, you know, I think that's that's the takeaway from this, right? So I am very very good with allowing people i think people are allowed to feel bad about stuff i think they're allowed to to feel oh i missed this or i missed graduation you're allowed to feel bad for a period i don't know what that period is i probably know when if you're in my life when it's been too long like when i've had enough but everybody's period is different Mm -hmm. and i get it right like just like when your kid breaks up with a boyfriend or girlfriend they're allowed to be sad for a little while. I'm not the guy who's like, suck it up. You're going to have lots of boyfriends or girlfriends or what, you know, I, I, I get it. There's I did. A yeah. Period you're, yeah, you're, there's a period you're allowed to feel bad. But I think that what we have to get to is this hunting the good. And I think we have to get to that at some point and, and it's different for everybody, but as time goes on, you're, it's going to be enough of poor me. I feel so sad. You know, I didn't grad, I didn't get to have a graduation or I didn't get to. And again, I could have lived without my graduate. I don't even remember my high school graduation. Yeah. yeah same here. Um, I think, you know, I look at, at the things that, that I think are good for me. Right. So I can look at what I think is good for other people, but you know, maybe they, hopefully they think it's good, but like, we were, we had been holding off on, you know, kind of finishing a garage gym. Yeah. Well that's finished now. That's better than I ever could have imagined. I'll never go into another gym again. Right. I got it. I'm good. I, I feel good about that. Um, I've actually connected in some really unique ways with people that I wasn't going to do before. Um, I realized that, you know, I need to get out and do a walk with nature every single day. These are things that I like, you know, I, I'm still not reading as much as I'd like to. I didn't take up a new language like some people. And that's awesome that they did it. But at some point, we've got to get past the, and, and this is where leadership comes in. And, and maybe it's just being a leader in your own family, right? Let's Maybe we don't have to look outside that far. Maybe we can look inside and say, hey, here's some good stuff. Mm. Let's create that hope. Let's create that trust in our own little, uh, you know, uh, ecosphere and say, Okay, th- this is what's good for us, and and you can and if we can lift our families up and encourage our families to lift others up, then maybe we're on the right track. Instead of you know liberty and all this, and there's I, I want to talk about a different kind of revolution, a revolution of positivity, and I'm not saying like everything's rainbows and unicorns. I don't believe in that, but I do believe that. If, if my life is a little bit brighter, then I have a responsibility to make someone else's life a little bit brighter as well. And if I can make someone, someone else's life a little bit brighter, then they can do that. And it's a grassroots movement. And that's a leadership move. And that's a leadership move at the, so everybody can say, well, I'd change this if I was president. Well, you're not president, but you live in, you live in a neighborhood. And in that neighborhood, you can, you know, talk to three people and make them feel better about their day and encourage them to talk to three other people to feel better about their day. And maybe we can start kind of a grassroots movement 
about let's let's hunt the good. Let's 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 kind of have a positive outlook towards we don't know what the future is going to hold. But instead of worrying about dying, let's worry about, hey, tomorrow is going to be a great day and the next day is going to be a great day and we're going to get bad news. But the next day will be better. And I think we can do that if we all kind of make a or we can all read the newspaper and feel horrible every single day. Yeah, I I love what you're saying. I think that, you know, too, hopefully this does cause people to think very introspectively because they've had the opportunity to slow down. I mentioned several times on the podcast in the past where as a leader, I had individuals because of the change that was going on within the industry and the company that we work for that was asking, hey, can you just ask the leadership to not make as many changes because we've been going through so much so fast. It would be nice to just to take a breath. Well, you've had now an opportunity to not only take a breath, to, you know, to really look at introspectively at yourself, maybe you're not doing what you enjoy doing for a living. Maybe this isn't your passion or purpose. Um, maybe you need to spend more time with your family. Maybe you need to go outdoors and be more active and have an active lifestyle. Maybe you need to reconnect with people that you haven't done in the past. And then the other side of that is maybe you need to be open-minded about a lot of things. Like, you know, again, I, I used to hear people with, that would say, I'd love to work from home. Geez, give me the opportunity and now they've had the opportunity. They're like, get me the hell out of here. I want to get back to the office, you know? <laughs> and, and I think because they had a real dose of working from home is not all of what it's cut out to be. There's, I mean, you got to make modifications and changes and um, to how you act and how you interact. And you don't have the opportunity to get up from your desk and go to the water cooler and spend four hours of your day shooting the crap with friends across the cube, you know, because right. now you're confined to your workspace and people are in their own little workspace. And unless you guys are doing Zoom meetings or something of that nature just to shoot the crap, you don't you don't get that kind of interaction. So hopefully you're hopefully people will do and are doing what you're talking about, JC, because this is a real opportunity for individuals to make a change, but also to witness the leaders ahead of them as to what they're doing within the organization to drive change and behavior within the organization. Because again, when we get back into a groove and we're going to get back in there at some point uh, where we're going to start going back to the office, we're going to start interacting with people. How is this now? Uh, how has this changed us? Or are we going to be a creature of habit and get right back into what we were before and maybe even at a faster pace because we felt like we've spent too much time on vacation already? And I can already hear leaders going, no, you can't take vacation. What do you mean, PTO? You've already been home for two months. You know, what? Yep. we don't need 100%. that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So I, th I think this is really going to expose good managers and leaders and bad managers and leaders. And um, it's also going to expose what you really believe to be um, something you enjoy doing, what you're passionate about, what you believe your purpose in life is about. And if it hasn't and it doesn't do that, well, then I think you missed out on a clear opportunity here. Absolutely. 100%. I think that word opportunity is is something that people need to get their heads around in this. Uh, and JC touched on, on something earlier in, in terms of people's hardwired mindset to see the positive side of things or the negative side of things. And if, if you take a leaf out of post-traumatic growth, you know, and whilst this situation for, for many won't be traumatic, there's certainly the opportunity for growth through adversity. And if people don't, come out the back end of this better in some way, shape, or form, 
whether that's like JC mentioned, somebody learning a language, taking an online course, finishing off jobs that you've been putting off for the last two years in your house. If you don't take any of those opportunities, we've been gifted something that lots of people, myself included, have moaned about for years and years and years, the lack of time to do things. And we've just been gifted that back now. You know, in terms of I, I, I'm still in work. I go to work every day. I come home by, I'm home by quarter past four in the, in the afternoon. Normally, there's a million things going on. And the kids go to karate and the kids go to different classes and whatever it might be. But those things aren't happening now. So there's so much time that I've got in the evening to do things. Um, my wife and I, we've done jobs in the house that we've been putting off. We've lived in this house 17 years and we've been putting off some of these jobs and we've done them now. And it's such a liberating thing to have got that, crossed that one off the list. You know, and um, I can't remember, I think it's General McChrystal, um, his speech about starting by making your bed. And achieving those tasks and ticking something off, you know, you've got the opportunity to do that now. If you've got a list in the back of your head that you've always wanted to get these jobs done but just never had the time, now is the opportunity to do that. If you don't do them now, it's not time you lacked, it's discipline. You hmm. didn't have the discipline to do them and you just used time as the excuse to do that. So people have got this amazing opportunity to come out the back end of this and change something for the positive and stop looking at it as such a huge negative and woe is me, you know, and people's mindset on, on that really grinds me down. You've got this amazing opportunity to make a positive difference in your own life. You'll never get it again. You'll never get it again. And people need to grasp that and come out the back end changing something for the better. Yeah. And, well, and again, like, and with that being said, I mean, these are, you're absolutely right. Um, totally agree with that. But it's the ones that, that need to hopefully hear this or find some positive out of this are the ones that are forced at home that don't have that income coming in and they're there. So now what do you do? You know, the stressful piece of that. And, you know, the ones that because they worked at a, a factory or a production plant that isn't operational now and therefore they don't have the income to provide, you know, there's a there's a lot of stress that goes with that, too. And, and you know, these guys are, you know, hopefully it doesn't change where that company they worked for for 15, 20 years or whatever is not going to be there when this pandemic is over. But, you know, those are. Find it. Those are the ones that need to find that resiliency to to do to get through this and 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 find something like you said, Rob. Find something that hey, this is what something I wanted to do. Well, now I have the time to do it. And you know, those are hopefully they'll they those guys those individuals can find something positive out of this. I completely agree, Don. It, it, you know, and I'm not saying everything is is is. is no, I, I agree. I agree. Well, yeah, that's. But but finding those little things makes a bad situation that little bit better. Right, you know, it's, right. it's about leveling your pot of how full it is, you know, yeah. whether it's a, a, de a deposit of positivity or a withdrawal of negativity. It's keeping that pot at the right level and, mm -hmm. and doing something good and, and ticking something off your list is a positive step. And, you know, some people absolutely have got money worries and, and all the other stresses of, of whether they've got underlying conditions and they're vulnerable and, 
and all those other things. But you've got to level that pot out and and take some positivity away from this as well as negativity you can control in terms of how you see things and perspective. Um, but you can't control the influences that come in on you. And when you've lost your, your wage, your salary, potentially your job, you know, your, your health is struggling, you can't control those factors. But doing those things that you can control and making those positive influences, on, no matter how small they are, you know, and going back to the um, start by making your bed speech, you know, just something as little as that sets you up in the right manner for the day and, and that's what that entire speech is about is achieving a task straight away first thing in the morning and you've already won you know and just going forward from that on a positive mindset and you, i think you've got to take that away from this negativity and, and this crisis and and look for those positive wins and how you can influence something within your own life and make that a positive influence instead of a negative one it's an interesting conversation, right? Cause that's, that's a little bit of a personal responsibility piece. And I think that we don't talk enough about personal responsibility right now, but what Don says is, is really true. And yet I get people all the time who are looking, well, I want to help. I want to help, but they want to do these like grand gestures, right? So they want to provide like millions of masks to somebody or they want these grand gestures. And I'm thinking that it's, it's much more about, doing things locally, you know, the people in your network who are struggling and being able to reach out to them and helping lift them. Like, I think that where I'm not sure that I feel a personal responsibility to keep everyone safe, right. But, you know, like, okay, that's my job to make sure that your great grandmother doesn't get sick from COVID. I, I don't know that that's my responsibility, but I do think that it's my responsibility to lift you up a little bit because I'm in a good place because I didn't lose my job because I still have a wage coming in. So, so here's what I can do. I can make sure that I support certain restaurants that I know, you know, uh, the, the people who might be struggling or, Hey, there's a, a family down the road the father lost the job. Maybe there's something that we can do to provide them some groceries or some, but I think we do have a, a personal responsibility as, as humans, to just sit there and say that is a funny picture right there with the, with the cat. <laughs> um, to to say to say like okay, how do I how can I act locally? Forget about the grand gestures. Right. I, I think the grand gestures there, and I'm I'm starting to call them Instagram gestures. Yeah. Right. Because that's that's what it's for. Is look what I did. As opposed to I'm not going to post on Instagram that you know I tipped the guy who delivered my food fifty bucks. You know, I'm just not going to, cause that, but that's, but that is a big deal to that guy yeah. who probably needs that right now. Right. Yeah. Right. And so making sure that we're not looking for the Instagram gestures, we're looking for local gestures that just brighten somebody's life. Just even if it's two, two degrees, we're, we're getting better. Yeah. Well, and again, I think it goes to what Scott said, this opportunity wouldn't have been there if we could have, you know, foreshadowed, we could have seen what's coming. Maybe we'd have been in a different place, but um, I think it probably would have breezed by us. We probably would have handled this maybe differently if we were better prepared. And so we'd have missed out on this opportunity, but because we've had it, take advantage of it. And I think that's what you're trying to say, JC, is that um, we've just taken this world and turned it upside down and it can be in a positive way or it can be in a negative way. 
And you can always come out of your worst situations with an, a new light, a new vision, and a new direction and everything if you choose to. And a lot of it is by choice that we can come out of a bad situation and turn it into a good situation. I mean, I, I applaud what you did uh, in your organization, 72 hours to make a pivot in that way. Hats off. I mean, that's amazing. Um, I think there's a lot of organizations that came to similar conclusions and did something quickly. But like Scott said, there's also quite a few of them out there that just died on the vine because they didn't know how to react to a bad situation. And because their their inability to be a leader in a crisis when the organization needed it the most and their lack of decision making, um, that timeline before they finally could come to a decision was so long that the, the organization can never recover. And that's unfortunate. Well, and being able to trust your people, because quite honestly... You know, it was it was our guys that made this happen. Said we need to figure this out. What do you guys think? And just like you would do with your squad leaders on an objective, hey, this is how I think we need to attack this objective. They'd be like, okay, we'll put the machine guns over here. We'll assault from this side. Here's where the breach will go. That's what we did. And you know, all heads are better. You know, tend to be smarter than one head. And the the companies that I'm dealing with that are doing the best. Had totally empowered their people and said, okay, here's our problem. Here's the direction we think we need to go. What do you guys think? And people pitched in together and they're doing great stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's effective leadership. Yeah. It allows that to happen. I mean, you think of organizations like Southwest Airlines and stuff like that. The reason why people um, love working there and then it shows to people who then travel on their airlines is that um, the people there feel like they've bought in, that what they're doing, because they have literally bought in, they own part of the company, and they're part of the solution and everything else that helps. And so that's that's a great takeaway as well, JC. Hopefully more managers and leaders have noticed just that, that their people are stronger than what they thought they were. And at a time of crisis, many of them stood up. And when you would have thought they'd have been lazy sitting at home and, you know, having to deal with kids in the background on a Zoom or whatever, and, you know, maybe still some of that uh, noise in the background was still there but what they brought to the table was valuable and changed the organization and the direction it was going to in a positive way or at least kept it on its feet and and that's again yeah. um being a being humble i think you would agree being humble as a leader is probably one of the the more important traits um to allow people around you to have as much if not more of a say so in the direction um, that's, that's a hard thing for a lot of leaders to, to swallow is uh, humility. You, you must have, you must have read, uh, that chapter in my book. I, I basically <laughs> say there's, there's four traits of, of any leader. That's a great leader, right? It's, uh, it's humility, loyalty, um, empathy. Oh my gosh. And curiosity. And, and you can not have any of those and you can still be a good leader, but you won't be a great leader. But if you have those four, you can have almost no other characteristics of all the characteristics they say you need. But if you have humility, loyalty, empathy, and curiosity, I don't know how you can fail as a leader. Right? I mean, and they're all, and if they're authentic, they all lead into each other. They, they all, they're, 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 they're symbiotic in their relationship. Right? You ask a real question. So, I mean, for the, you guys, military, how many times did some colonel ask you a question be that they already knew the answer to and you knew what the response they wanted was 
right? So, so you know, why are you doing it this way? Well, you you know that, but being truly curious, like, hey, I, I you must be smart. You must have a reason you're doing this, and ask that question, right? The humility to act, to have that curiosity, the loyalty of you're my person, so I'm going to assume the best of you, right? That's and the empathy to go. I can imagine it's really uncomfortable if you're private to have your battalion commander come and go, hmm, hey, tell me about this. I can imagine you're kind of scared, you're nervous, you don't want to be wrong in front of the old man, right? You, oh my gosh, what's my team leader? What's my squad leader going to think? You got to have all those things. And if, if you have all those things, man, I think you can almost throw away a lot of them. And if you're, because those are all people focused, those are all your people focused, but that's probably another episode. Well, it is, but we can definitely get on that <laughs> at some point. Cause I think people gravitate towards that too. If I, when I see a leader do what you just described, it makes me want to follow that individual. And let's face it, it. You're not a leader. If you turn around and nobody's there, you know, a lot of people like to claim they're that they're a leader. Um, and yet they're not really leading anybody or anything, um, and they're not even a manager for that matter. Instead, what they do is they use their position of authority to drive a direction and, and everybody has to then be in an authoritarian, very much, um, you know, group and stuff. It's, it's very hierarchical, those types of things. But when you do what you're talking about, you don't even have to have the title. People are just going to gravitate towards it because they see somebody, like you said, who's authentic and genuine that wins a lot. Oh, it's always and the the big difference i say so man you manage things right you manage resources you manage money you manage time you lead people people mm -hmm. unless you're a people manager like an s1 or a battalion adjunct you know okay hey we need three people over here boom that's managing people if well, you're going to be the resource as well so it's still things isn't it yeah 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 so that's a great point jc and a lot of people don't know and don't understand the difference between leadership and management. And the bad leaders assume that they can manage people to do what they want. And, and you know, in titles coming, you know, going back to that, Robert, this is my title, this is my rank, you will do what I say because of that. And that attitude that people have to follow you in what you do. You know, and respect is earned and, and never given. And that that's all the things that come with bad leaders and having that thought of you will do what I say, you will follow me, you will like me as a uh, as your boss. You yeah. know, we've all been there, we've all had them and it's 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 such a horrendous thing to to be under when you can see the potential or the capability of a unit, a business, whatever it might be, and it just being ruined by the person at the top. Well, yep. when you mention leader to me, you mentioned somebody who's a visionary, somebody who can think strategically, drive the organization, you know, to see what's coming around the curve, know how to handle what's coming, um, listen to the people around them to get the right advice and, and you know, um, counsel and everything that's needed in order to make some kinds of decisions. And I think I agree with you 100%, JC, that, and, and Scott, uh, of the differences between a leader and a manager. And I think that's what we were talking about from the very beginning. We're looking for leaders. We're looking for people who are visionary and, and strategic and has a, have a direction, could lay out a plan of attack, and it makes sense, and it's genuine, it's authentic, it's real, 
And, and that's what people are wanting at this moment. And I, I think you're right. And those that are leading through fear right now will learn that eventually people are going to be more afraid of something else than they're afraid of that, what they're saying. It, it never works. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, the military, you don't, if you're leading, if you have to remind them that you're in charge, then you're not <laughs> you're effectively not leading. I mean, they know it by either the rank that you wear on your uniform or that your name is outside the building. They know that you're, you're the yeah. commander or the first sergeant or the sergeant major. It's about, you know, you identifying those SMEs and, you know, empowering them to make the organization better. Yep. And, you know, they, they would, with their ownership becomes, it makes the unit better. JC, we could probably go on another hour talking about leadership. <laughs> um, appreciate you coming on again, brother, and sharing, uh, you know, your words of wisdom. Because I think during this time frame, this is really what we're we're talking about that we need in, in the world and around us as leaders. And I think, you know, as individuals in our own household and what we're doing, we have the capability to do that within our own sphere of influence is what you're saying. You have the uh, opportunity here of a lifetime to really grasp your passion, your purpose, what it is that you want to do in life, how you can build upon yourself, make yourself better, how you can influence others in your sphere of influence to help them grow and get better. This is a clear opportunity that people should be taking advantage of. You know, fear breeds more fear. Courage breeds more courage. It's that simple. You get to choose. We get to trademark that. I'm going to write that down. So, <laughs> three, three times it's yours, right? <laughs> three times. Three times they get credit. Then it's yours. Uh, all right, JC. Thanks, man. I appreciate it again Thank for you. you coming on. Thank hey, you, nice bro. meeting you, JC. Good seeing hey, you, Scott. It was a pleasure. You too, really. Both of you guys. I'd I'd love to do this as, as many times as you'll have me. I could talk to you guys forever.